Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three Palpatine clones with nothing better to do. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best pals, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how you doing? Not too good, Austin. Not too good. Oh, no. Uh, as I was just telling you guys before the recording, I've been having some internet lish- ish- issues. Can't even talk. I've been having some internet issues lately. Uh, they sent us an email around 11 this morning saying, hey, construction happened and we may have done something that will turn off your water. Should be a quick fix. Cut to like 7 p.m. and it's finally fixed. Couldn't take a shower. And, you know... I kind of have a migraine, didn't sleep too well last night. And why am I telling you guys this? Why am I telling the audience this? It's for the sole reason that there is a film called The Rise of Skywalker. And all I will say is it did nothing to make me feel any better today. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. If you if you get stuck in your apartment, we may be looking at a, a James Franco situation in 127 hours if your water doesn't come back on. Well, we'll see what happens. I'll make sure to record it, and even if I'm not stuck under anything, I'll cut off limbs to pass the time. I'd rather do that than watch The Rise of Skywalker again. <laughs> anyway, Keith, how are you, Star Wars boy? Uh, I'm, I'm a little sad. I'm going to be missing the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> a little sad. I'm a little sad about this, this, this episode, for one, and then I'm going to be missing... This week's episode of Mandalorian. I'm going to be out of mm. town. I'm, I'm I'm upset. I won't be able to review it with you boys, but we'll be back for episode four. So we will be. We will be. I wish I could say I was sad that the Star Wars series was ending, but I'm not. <laughs> the you know the old ones are pretty good. They hold up for the most part, but not all of them. Uh, the prequels suck. This new trilogy isn't doing much for me either. So. It's been a long journey, <laughs> this series we've been doing. At least we got to spend two hours with our favorite film, Solo. Well, I did like Solo, that's true. That was a bright <laughs> spot, Solo was a bright spot. Keith agreed with me, but still put it under Phantom Menace. <laughs> yep. All right, well, as we've teased, it's a big day today. Not only is it our 25th episode, 25 episodes, wow. but it is the finale in the Star Wars series. Today, we'll be discussing 2019's Rise of Skywalker. This film was Disney's big knee-jerk reaction to the audience reception of The Last Jedi. Matt, you have been quoted on this very show saying, I can't wait to tear that shitty movie apart. So I know you've got some strong feelings today. Give us some thoughts so we can get into it. Yeah, not even doing a bit here. I'm I'm not going to be going about this to tear this movie apart, but I do genuinely hate this movie. I don't enjoy it. There are a couple bright spots and some cool moments for sure, but this is just a hollow movie for me. Like this was only the second time I've seen it and I watched it and I and all all the crazy stuff going on life-wise beyond that. It's just I was miserable. And some stuff I didn't even <laughs> react to. Some stuff is so baffling, the choices they made in this movie. Even if The Last Jedi hadn't happened, I still don't think it excuses some of the weird stuff in this movie. And it's funny because um, at Austin's wedding, um, Keith and I were there, obviously. And after all the festivities had wrapped up, Keith and I, oh, we should go grab a one last drink together just because, you know, Austin's about to go off on his honeymoon. You know, we're not together too often. So let's go grab a drink. We went to go get a drink and we were like, ah, we need another drink. And we found an Irish pub. And Keith and I proceeded to go from just let's get one last drink to I don't remember most of that night. But what I do remember is the new Rise of Skywalker trailer. 
like literally premiered while Keith and I were sitting at this bar shit faced, like doing countless shots of fireball and i'll never forget the one part i do remember is i turned to keith i was like keith it's the it's, it's the knights of ren <laughs> I, was, I was so excited for this movie and i wasn't because i was sad that jj was coming back i didn't think i was going to be good but these trailers man these trailers got me going and yeah just a letdown i'm excited to rank this one I, i'm not too familiar on what your guys's thoughts are but uh i think maybe i'm the most passionate but i'm definitely excited to break it down and see if you guys like this like considerably more than me or not. Well, we're going to roll that sweet segue music, but Matt, I will give you a tease. Ooh. I think you're going to be pleased uh, with my rankings today. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I hope y'all are pleased with mine. I don't know, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, let's get into the movie facts, and let's start, as always, with our cast. And we have Daisy Ridley as Rey, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, John Boyega as Finn, Oscar Isaac as Poe, and Ian McDiarmid returning as Emperor Palpatine. This movie is also directed by J.J. Abrams, written by Chris Torrio, and scored by John Williams. Yeah, I had to look this up to make sure, but yeah. We've had some critical things to say about Lawrence Kasdan, which I don't think is completely unfounded in the past, but... The one uh, kind of name missing here was Force Awakens. J.J. and Lawrence Kasdan wrote that. So kind of interesting that they brought on the guy that did Batman v Superman and Justice League to get crack at this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, weird, weird. I, I, I'm sure there's a story behind it. I just I don't know it. So, yeah. So as we've mentioned, you know, this the original plan for this entire trilogy was three films, three directors. Yeah. Um, this movie was originally going to be directed by Colin Trevorrow, mm-hmm. um, who was going to be working with his writing partner. I, I don't have the name in front of me, but it's the writing partner that wrote the Jurassic Park franchise. Derek Connolly might be the name. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, so he was originally going to write this as well. And when, when Trevorrow left the production, his writing partner left with him. So I think that's where Chris Torrio comes from. Yeah, just, hmm. Yeah. And that's what happens. I mean, this certainly isn't the only movie that that kind of thing happens. There's countless writers and story by credits to go around for these huge movies. So it happens. But yeah, so we'll get into more of that later. Any any other thoughts you guys had when it came to the cast and the crew for this one? I want to say they, they they sucked a little bit more in this. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't. I, I. But I'll get more into detail later on when we really hit on their, our points. I think all the individual performances are fine. I just think they don't have a whole lot to work with in this movie. That could be it, too. I agree. It could be the writing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So we do have a little bit of production drama to talk about. As we mentioned, this movie was going to be directed by uh, Colin Trevorrow, who uh, eventually was fired by Kathleen Kennedy because they couldn't come to agreement on a script. Um, And then J.J. Abrams was brought back in uh, to continue his work from The Force Awakens. It's been speculated that Trevorrow was uh, let go due due to the reception of The Last Jedi, but he actually left the production before The Last Jedi was even released in theaters. So it really was more of just a disagreement between him and Kathleen Kennedy on the final script. Yeah, really weird. I mean... They were put in a tough position. I, I understand what they were trying to do from the jump is we're going to have three, you know, interesting directors come aboard. And, um, you know, I think that could have worked in some world. But then when kind of near the end, the guy that's supposed to direct your last one and wrote it um, leaves. Now you're in this weird position where I believe they asked Ryan Johnson first. And this also would have been before Last Jedi came out. Like, Ryan, would yeah. you want to direct 
the next one. And he was like, one was enough. He gave a weird comment saying, the plan was never for me to direct episode nine. Like that was kind of his answer to that to that question. So it seems like he was never interested. I, yeah, he jumped to knives out pretty quick. I got the impression that he was interested in doing one, but he didn't want to, you know, devote that much time to another one. And so when th- that guy doesn't do it, you're in the worst possible scenario, in my opinion, where you're asking the guy that wrote and direct the first one to come write and direct the last one. And clearly he is probably going to be self-interested in doing stuff or continuing stuff from his. But then there's a whole other movie that happens in the middle. And and when that movie is so kind of reviled and just mixed reception, what do you do? So it's like, I, I can sit here and make fun of JJ for some of the choices he made, but it's not like he was in a great position. And yeah, it's just tough all around. Yeah, it's kind of interesting too because uh, Kathleen Kennedy has you know, given a few interviews since this movie came out and she was asked about her relationship with Trevorrow and she basically wasn't really critical of him. She just was kind of clear to say like he was really kind of at a disadvantage because he wasn't involved from the beginning. So when he came in and, and was trying to do stuff uh, that didn't really work with the story we started with The Force Awakens, it was really hard to take what he wanted to do and, and find a way to tie that into the rest of these movies. Um, so she she hasn't ever really been critical of Trevor She's just kind of been clear to state out that maybe we should have had just one person direct all three of these movies. Yeah, which we know that was their initial intent. They tried to get JJ to do all three and kind of the same thing as Ryan Johnson. He was like, I'll do one. I'm not going to commit that much time to a whole, you know, trilogy, which I can't blame him for. It's just, and it's tough because I believe what Kathleen Kennedy's saying. Maybe they genuinely are like, oh man, I don't like this script that Trevor did. But then they threw it out and they brought in JJ and the way he kind of makes a direct sequel to Force Awakens and disregards Last Jedi, leaving this huge gap in weird character stuff. It's like, they probably would have just been better off biting the bullet and going with the original idea or just trying to make some concessions and come to some type of agreement because this one's just kind of a mess, unfortunately. So let's go ahead and run through the reception really quick because Trevor's script did leak on Reddit earlier this year, and I do want to touch on that. Um, But for the reception, this movie released in December of 2019 and made a billion dollars worldwide against a $275 million budget. So as always with a Star Wars movie, except Solo, a smashing success at the box office. Um, It did launch, though, to a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it really wasn't well-received by critics or the audience. The critics' thoughts really boil down to they essentially felt it was a well-made movie but lacked any imagination or new ideas for the series. Yeah, and it's just, again, kind of, at least for me, it felt in a lot of aspects like J.J.'s previous endeavor with Force Awakens, which was, as we talked about, a lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same motifs, a lot of the same locations, same character types were used as the originals, and this one does the same thing. And it, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> Keith, what about what about you, Keith? What, how do you feel about that reception? Kind of no new ideas, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I definitely agree with it. But I feel like there was some new ideas. But these new ideas, you could just tell they were just pulled out of their asses. Like it just there was no creativity <laughs> with them. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just, a, that's just much the truth. I mean, and we'll get into it, especially – well, I don't – we'll get into it later. But – uh yeah, there was definitely some ideas here where, where they were just way too far fetched. They just seemed exaggerated. They seemed very last minute writing. They didn't seem like there was a lot of thought going into they it. They were so. far fetched, and I agree with you. But we're saying that about Star Wars. There's ideas in yeah. this movie that make you go, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> and we're not supposed to ever feel that way with this kind of movie. Yeah. So just bizarre. But I completely agree with you. Okay, so let's run through. Trevor's script that leaked online. 
That's a great tune to make, because Keith, are you aware of the title of Trevorrow's version, what it could have been? I think you said it was uh, Duel of the Fates, right? Yeah, it was going to be called Star Wars Episode Nine: Duel of the Fates. That would have been a way better fit of a title than Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker was pretty weak. It was kind of weird that that they they put his name in there. Like, none of the other titles had the name in there. Yeah. So, I think it was kind of, I don't know, it just kind of threw me off, at least. I don't know about you guys. I was interested in it. I mean, that's the reason I thought it was interesting that first teaser trailer came out and the title pops, because if you guys remember, it was kind of similar to Avengers Endgame. It felt like a lot of time was going by where we didn't know the title of episode nine. I was like, is this is kind of weird. I feel like we should know it by now. And uh, when that trailer came out in Rise of Skywalker, I was like, oh, that's kind of different and interesting. So I'm excited to see how that will actually come into play. And after watching the movie twice now, I, I mean, there are some reasons, I guess, but none of them strong. I agree. It's just a week. I agree with you. That's true. Yeah. When I first saw the title, I wasn't that upset. It was like, okay, that might be like, what's that? What's the meaning behind that? Mm-hmm. And, we'll, and but then when once you watch the film, it doesn't it doesn't fit at all. Yeah. Uh. So the duel of the fates for me was going to focus more on Kylo as supreme leader trying to cripple uh the resistance. Yeah. And we were going to have there were kind of going to be uh two different pairings of our heroes. So Ray and Poe were going to be traveling the galaxy together, searching for ways to restore the Jedi Order. And then Finn and Rose were going to be together on Coruscant, um, working to send a signal from the old Jedi Temple as like a symbol of hope to the galaxy. And then eventually Finn was going to rally resistance fighters on Coruscant and defected stormtroopers. And they were going to have a really big battle in the streets of Coruscant. Meanwhile, Kylo was going to find an old hologram message from Palpatine that was supposed to be sent to Darth Vader. And Palpatine was going to send him to train with Tor Volum, Palpatine's former uh, Sith master, to kind of complete the original message was going to be to complete Vader's training, but since Kylo's finds it, it was going to be to complete Kylo's training. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, the Coruscant thing kind of sounds cool going back there. Yeah. You don't really see that too much anymore. As as long as Finn and Rose complete their mission, because last Jedi, they didn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, be nice if they were to complete it. You know, what I, what I can say at least is that the Duel of the Fates script does seem to be the natural sequel to The Last Jedi in a lot of ways, and also a sequel to Force Awakens. But the thing that my favorite part about it, which we obviously did not get with Rise of Skywalker, is they took what happened at Last Jedi and they committed to it. Kylo is the main villain of Duel of the Fates. He should have been the main villain of Rise of Skywalker, but then they were like, no, we have to redeem him because they did that in the original trilogy, and I am incapable of doing anything that wasn't done in those movies. So then it's like, we'll bring back Palpatine. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. So I, I I preferred the idea of Kylo being the main villain. So And they were going to for sure solidify Kylo as as a villain because there was going to be this final showdown between Kylo and Rey then eventually the force ghosts of Yoda, Luke and Obi-Wan are going to appear try to appeal to Kylo and Kylo is going to refuse them so he wasn't going to be able to be turned from the dark side mm-hmm. which would have been cool it would have been different and it would have yeah. made sense based on where they were going i mean like like we said what the fuck does Kylo or Ben whichever one you want to call it they don't owe anything to Luke Skywalker we know we know where that led him in in last jedi so it's like I think it's weird that he turns. I don't believe it in Rise of Skywalker. So we could talk about it all all day long, but I agree with Keith as well. The Coruscant setting would have been really cool. I can't remember all of them. It's been a while since I read it and looked at a lot of the comments and stuff. But there were there was a lot more than just Coruscant that felt like really cool 
continuations from even the prequels. Like, the Duel of the Fates script to me felt like not only was it the cap off for the sequel trilogy, but it was also the touted big grand finale of the Skywalker saga, which I think there's some, you know, I'll give credit where it's due. There are some decent elements in Rise of Skywalker, the you know, final product that have that as well. But I think Duel of the Fates was a bit more successful. And we we also have to say this now, you know, that's just a script. There's a lot that goes into filmmaking, you know, when it comes to adapting a script into something. So it's not like this would have been perfect. I'm just saying, just from like a script perspective, I think Duel of the Fates could have been something really cool that felt more, more like a natural fit in this franchise. And we would have heard, we would have heard Duel of the Fates again. Let's run through a quick plot summary, and here we go. Emperor Palpatine has returned and built a secret Imperial fleet called the Final Order on the planet Exegol. Palpatine offers the fleet to Kylo if he can kill Rey. Rey is continuing her Jedi training with Leia, but news of Palpatine's return quickly reaches the Resistance. Rey, Poe, and Finn set off to find a Sith Wayfinder, which can lead them to Exegol. Along the way, Rey continues to grow stronger and eventually uses Force Lightning. Kylo reveals that she is the granddaughter of Palpatine. Rey strikes Kylo down, but heals him and exiles herself on Ahch-2. Luke returns as a Force ghost and convinces Rey to go to Exegol and defeat Palpatine. Rey travels to Exegol, transmits her location to the Resistance, and Kylo turns from the dark side to join Rey. The First Order is defeated and overthrown. I mean, yeah, you nailed it. It's a pretty nice, condensed uh, plot summary. Yeah. <laughs> And yep. notice, Keith, I'm sure you'll agree, Austin very smartly left out a lot of the really weird subplots and like weird little mini trips we have to take to other planets. When again, they're on a timeline. They say, wow, in 16 hours, the final order will decimate us. And there's a moment where it's like, hey, we can't go there today. Let's wait till uh, sunrise. And Ray's like, we gotta go now. And Poe's like, chill out, man. We'll get that. We gotta wait. <laughs> they said we gotta wait. <laughs> Just weird. But yes, I think Austin's version is one I would have rather had to watch. My version is a 45-minute TV <laughs> Exactly. Well. That's why I would have liked it. <laughs> uh, I would have taken that too, yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is that this one isn't any longer than the others, but man, it feels like it. I mean, let's talk Exegol. So, like I mentioned earlier, this was a little bit too far-fetched to me. Actually, not a little. It was a lot far-fetched for me. Uh, so, he had this entire fleet. So why didn't he use this at the beginning? And so, and why wasn't the final order ever mentioned in the previous films? Like this kind of just came out of nowhere. And I, I actually was kind of hoping you guys could answer, is this fleet just like in, hiding under the surface of this planet? Like, I, I don't understand how the logistics work here. And where do all the soldiers come from to control these ships? I don't know. I don't know either. That's why I'm so confused about it. And why would they, would, why would they put that in there? <laughs> I don't know. Also, isn't it so weird how the opening crawl just opens with Palpatine is back? Yeah, I was going to say we have to talk about that. Um, I remember being in the theater and it was just one of those moments where like, you look around to try and like see if other people are reacting the way you are. Like, is this weird to anybody else? Like, what's the first <laughs> line? It's like, death is here. <laughs> no, what is it? It's like death awakens or like, the dead speak. That's what it is. The dead speak. And I was like, what? And then, yeah, you're right. Literally in the first paragraph of the crawl of the movie, it's like, Palpatine's back. It's like, what? <laughs> well, really? <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, very odd. And yeah, when Keith mentioned it earlier, stuff being far-fetched, and I made a joke like, how is there something far-fetched in a Star Wars movie? This is it. This is what it mostly boils down to. Anything and everything to do with Exegol is 
weird as hell. Like, I don't know where the soldiers come from for these ships. Also, when we get there at the end, there's this whole audience of people. So maybe the pe- there are people here. Maybe that's who is on the ships. I don't know. Also, kind of weird how you get to Exegol, huh? Little odd. Where, hey, do you want to get to this secret planet? Well, you have to go find a Sith Wayfinder, and then you plug it into your ship, but you still have to be a really amazing pilot. In fact, if you just found this place and were a really good pilot, maybe you'd be okay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we, we have a lot to get through here, because then, of course, at the beginning, we see all the clones. We see Snokes in his little, in his little yellow bathtub. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? <laughs> and th- there's so much crazy stuff when it comes to Exegol, and it's, it all comes at the very beginning of the movie. It's so... It just feels like you're getting punched in the face over and over again. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really mind the wayfinder thing that much. Like I, I think it's a cool idea. It's just not executed very well. But um, speaking of like people piloting the ships, I do like how like later on in the movie there is kind of like a throwaway line when Kylo's meeting with his generals and he and some random generals like we're gonna have to recruit more of the galaxy's young to man all these ships. Yeah. Like I do kind of appreciate that they threw that in there. But then it also kind of makes me think like. They had no idea how any of this stuff worked either. They just put it out there because they thought it looked cool on screen. Well, yeah, in the world, they didn't know about Exegol either or Palpatine. So it's just yeah, weird. I and, met the creators. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. But um, yeah, and it's another one of those things. If I don't know, I don't know where the turn happened. I don't know if it was JJ, was it Kathleen Kennedy, was it somebody else that was like, look. We appreciate what Ryan did with Last Jedi. Clearly, he wants Kylo to be the main villain. Somebody somewhere up top at Disney did not want to do that. And because they didn't want to do that, that means you need a main villain. So it had to be Palpatine, I guess. And whenever that whole thing got put into the script, they had to come up with a lot of leaps in logic in order to bring him back. Where has he been? What's he been doing? They reveal he's the one, of course, pulling all the strings, so he has this whole fleet. So that's how they explain it away, but as we have clearly discussed, it just is not executed well, and it is just odd. Even if you're a Palpatine fan, I think they would even say, lots of weird stuff going on with this element of the story. That The idea of like a really old Sith planet is like cool. Oh, yeah. But the way the planet, the way the planet looks too, is just so weird. They're like walking into this really narrow tomb, and even though the tomb is super narrow height wise, there's still lightning striking up and down. Like it just, it doesn't look like a very, like habitable planet. And I get that that's yeah. kind of the point, but it, it looks even inhabitable for Sith as well. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's only, it should have just been like a like a Mustafar kind of planet, just kind of dark and maybe lava like. Not not this weird lightning. With a huge, with a huge arena in the middle of it. <laughs> What's that used for yeah. usually? <laughs> um, but also, Keith, you said Mustafar or Mustafar, I guess is how it's pronounced. We get to go to Mustafar at the very beginning. That's where Kylo gets yeah. his Sith Wayfinder, and also weird that it doesn't look cool. Like Mustafar looked way cooler in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, couldn't we have gotten a little bit of lava? Like, why did they show us the planet and then we go there and there's this really cool scene of Kylo using his force powers and lightsaber, but it's like, this doesn't look anything like it used to. I don't know. I didn't even know that was Mustafar until right now. Like you guys talking about it. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that's synonymous with it is lava and we don't see that. <laughs> so kind of kind of odd, but that's where he gets the whole Sith Wayfinder and that starts the whole crazy storyline and is isn't it also weird that the movie doesn't really kind of acknowledge if palpatine is a clone or how he's alive you had to like go read on wikipedia <laughs> to find out like or read some of the books i know people love the books that they've put out in, in between all these but the movie itself 
kind of a lot of questions that you don't really get answers to if, if that's all you are going off of, which a lot of people will. So he's just kind of there. Yeah. Well, it's like he had, I think he had a good death in Return of the Jedi. It was a good close with him. That's why I was, sent- I was so pissed off that he came back. It's how he died. The context which yeah. was pretty cool that, uh, yeah, yeah. And then him coming back is like, oh, that really kind of it just kind of ruins the that. whole Anakin chosen one thing. I get it, but it, you know, it's not as exciting when he's just apparently hooked up to some weird contraption the whole movie so he can stay alive, I guess. I, I don't know. It's, it's odd <laughs> for sure. And the Snoke thing they explain just like, I've been behind this all as the camera pans and we see like a couple like Snoke clones and this weird uh, uh, thing. And it's like, oh, okay. Interesting, I guess. Why Why was uh, Snoke in charge at all? Like, why weren't you in charge? Is it so you could build up this fleet? And how how are you building the ships? I mean, are you having are you hiring engineers to come over here to Exegol secretly to build these? Or are you building them with the Force? Or I have no idea. How does that work? <laughs> I, <have no> idea. <laughs> I think it's I think it's weirdly the Force. It could be. I saw something online that used the term "resurrect" that oh. he resurrected this fleet. Oh. So I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe. But it's still weird that it it rises from beneath the surface of the planet. Yeah. And there's just guys in there like, yeah, turn that valve on. Turn this button. <laughs> well, and of course, of course, they all have to be basically mini Death Stars, too. All Every single one of these uh, yeah. ships has the capability to destroy a planet. So it's like, what's better than one Death Star? A million. <laughs> like a, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yes. Odd way to start the movie because we already have so many questions that we're all just saying, I don't know, and moving on. And that's that's the first five <laughs> minutes of this movie. One one cool thing, I'm going to make an effort throughout this episode to point out all the cool things of this movie. I loved, loved, loved the first Palpatine narration when Kylo's coming down and he says the line, he's like, I've been all the voices inside your head. And it keeps changing to like, you hear Palpatine's voice and then it changes to Snoke's voice and then it's Vader's voice and then you hear the breathing. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that too. And I, I like most of the Palpatine monologues in this in this uh, movie. But the thing I don't like is the weird like horror music and like the almost like jump cue with like the piano striking whenever Palpatine appears on screen. I know. Where like Kylo takes a sharp turn and then it's like boing and then like Palpatine's face <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well kinda like kinda like the the dark ray face. Remember whenever Ray's fighting Dark Ray and then there's literally just a moment where she goes, ah! and, like her mouth like opens and there's fangs. It was like, oh my god. Crazy. What the hell? What the hell's next? We got to move on. This beginning is just crazy. I know they were kind of trying to get away from the Last Jedi with this movie, but do you think there should have been at least something about Luke's actions in the Last Jedi, like actually inspiring hope across the galaxy? Especially since there's like a clear line where he says, "This will be the spark that unites the rebellion," or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Short answer: Yes. Yeah. It, well, and you know why? The reason it's also odd is because that becomes like a subplot point in this film and the way it's resolved is i guess off screen lando somehow was able to rally everybody i'm not diminishing lando obviously you know lando calrissian holds a lot of weight in the world of star wars you could convince some people to help but that's basically the answer is he just rounded up everybody while poe led a smaller uh force to go fight and so that was the answer like that's how they rallied hope and then it makes you wonder so I guess, I mean, they have a line to your point, Austin, where it kind of feels like they're just jabbing Last Jedi a bit, where he's like, we sent out that distress signal on Crate, and nobody came. And it's like, okay. Yeah. 
sorry. Like, there's some other weird lines as well that feel like even more egregious. Like, do we have to like shit on everything that movie did? Like, there's that line where Dominic Monaghan's like, we're going to need some Holdo maneuvers. And somebody's like, come on, that was a one in a million shot. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, if I, if I aimed carefully at a ship and I was going to sacrifice myself and did hi- hyperspeed, would that not have worked? Why is that a one in a million shot? Like, why do you have to diminish something that people actually liked in that movie? It, it just is so weird. It feels like The Last Jedi didn't even happen almost in this world, especially with Rose, who I, mean, I wonder why Rose is even in this movie. Because Finn's like, come on, Rose, let's go on an adventure. And she's like, no, I got to I gotta take some notes for Leia. It's like, okay, see ya. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> I'm going to stay back and study the ship specs with Leia. It's so yeah, funny, man. She's a pretty unnecessary character. It made me think back. There was a maybe like a D23 or a Comic-Con or something where, I'm not joking, JJ came out and he either got asked the question or he said it on his own. He said, the best thing Ryan Johnson did with The Last Jedi was cast Kelly Marie Tran as Rose. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Because at the time I was like, okay, cool. Okay, maybe they're going to do something cooler with her character. Maybe they're actually going to acknowledge some stuff that happened, even though JJ had nothing to do with it. And then it make, after you watch this movie, you're like, why did he say that? <laughs> because he clearly didn't mean it. He didn't use her at all. <laughs> so just funny, man. But I agree with you, Austin, overall. It does feel odd that like they disregarded the whole ending of Last Jedi where they clearly inspired hope for a lot of people. I mean, they showed it. They showed us those kids on Canto Bite. They knew about it. But apparently nobody else cared. Yeah. But then it becomes a and subplot in this cool. movie yeah. to do it again. And it would have been cool to have some scenes of just, like, random people in the galaxy, like, almost, like, telling, like, this, like, like almost, like, mythology story about Luke Skywalker defeating Kylo Ren at the Battle of Crate or something. Like, yeah. there, there's a really cool way to do that in this movie, even if you are yeah. trying to get away from it. Luke Skywalker got shot by 10 AT-ATs and still stood and beat yeah. Kylo Ren. Like, something like that. And also, think about it. You always have yeah. to, for me, you always Spoken have to think in, about... in, like, tones of awe. Yeah, exactly. And you always have to think about the alternative in cases like this. Let's say there's a version of Rise of Skywalker where they did commit to the whole Luke-inspiring hope thing. How would this movie have been different? All that would have changed, I guess? You can still have Lando be off doing his own thing. That's fine. The only thing at the end is whenever Rey transmits her signal, everybody comes. That would have been cool. That would have been almost the exact same thing. So it's like, just commit to it. Nobody would have... Even people that hated The Last Jedi wouldn't have been like, God, I can't believe they committed to the Luke-inspiring hope storyline. <laughs> and also, I guess we should mention here that in the, in the Duel of Fates script, uh, one of, the, plot, one of the, the ploys that Kylo uses is he cuts off communication between the solar systems right. so nobody can talk to each other anymore. And that's kind of how he attempts to cripple the resistance. But then when Rose and Finn send out that, that signal from the Jedi Temple... The hope from Last Jedi is is built upon, and they all everybody comes rushing to Coruscant to join in in the battle. So it's still used. It's just more effective in yeah, the other script, yeah. I think. Yeah. Let's jump into the writing and the dialogue of this movie. Mm. I thought all of it was just a kind of ultra dramatic. Everybody had this weird way of talking to each other. Um, like Kylo and Rey, for instance, were the the constant back and forth, even with. Even with uh, Poe and Finn, it was like they weren't talking to each other like they were in the other movies. They just kind of this weird like, are you okay? Oh. I'm fine. Are you okay? I'm fine. We're all going to be okay. I need you, General. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. The dialogue is, is it's, I'm not even going to say it sucks. It's just weird at times because of that. It feels so wooden in some instances and it feels like, yeah, you're right. Every scene has to be, there has to be something tense or dramatic or something happening. And that's not how any of the previous two felt. So it's weird. Let's not forget that uh, the dialogue in this film is coming from the same guy that wrote the I believe in justice line <laughs> for Superman. So. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and the, and the worst examples are we have lines that are kind of cool or at least emotional in concept, but then in the context of the movie, it, it just feels weird when you compare it to the rest of the weird lines. Like we have C-3PO ostensibly sacrificing himself and he's just wandering around and then he turns around and he just stares at them. And then, you know, they know what is going to happen. Like they know that C-3PO has, has to basically die and Poe's response is, what are you looking at, 3PO? And then uh, C-3PO is like, I'm taking one last look, sir, at my friends. And it's just like, it's nothing pays off. <laughs> then he's just fine at the end so it's just weird it's just so weird to me some of the dialogue here um clearly trying to tie stuff together and like make you nostalgic but by the end you're like oh that didn't pay off yeah they they definitely only had 3po say that line for a trailer and it was pretty cool the trailer i was like no (laughs) so exactly but you're exactly right um yeah so kind of it's kind of segueing a bit from that we've talked about Kylo and Rey a bunch and some of their weird interplay between each other. But I guess let's just break it down because I kind of feel like there was almost too much dancing between Rey and Kylo, if that makes sense. Like they were just doing the same thing over and over again. Like Last Jedi, I thought did a good job of having their conversations matter and be consequential each time. Whereas here, it's like every every conversation they had was basically just kind of the same thing with different phrasing. At at least with with Last Jedi, they're both like... They're having these conversations, but they're still staying true to like their core beliefs. Like Kylo wants to become leader of the galaxy. Rey wants to become an effective Jedi. So they're they're having their conversations from those point of views. Whereas this one, they're like kind of wish washing back and forth. And the first time I saw this movie, the whole from the very first Rey and Kylo conversation, I was like, oh no, they're setting up a romance. And then when when we get Ugh. there at the end, it was, it just felt so pointless and and just so dumb for me. It's cringy. It's weird. Yeah, it's super cringy. Force Awakens and Last Jedi when they're when they're going back and forth with the the new Force ability where they can see each other and all that. I thought that was cool, and I thought the conversations were productive, and it was productive to the story. This one, it's just kind of I don't know how to really describe it. Yeah, he he's just going. He's just saying, "I know you," and they're like, "I know you because because of this," and "I know you because of this," and they were just kind of like digging into each other's like deep thoughts and and yeah. I, I don't know it got a little bit too sappy for me how many times did kylo say i offered you my hand once it's like yeah we we know we know <laughs> well and then and then the flip side of that is how many times does ray say i know there's good in you ben yeah exactly <laughs> why do you know that <laughs> with that that force ability of them being connected i do how i do like how they do kind of improve it a little bit here where they do have some cool fights through that force connection that is some cool stuff in here yeah yeah i was gonna i still think the force connection is cool it's just the sappiness of the conversations is what got annoying yeah one of my favorite parts of the trilogy is their connection and i loved how it worked in last jedi where they were surprised by their ability to connect on this level and actually be able to converse even though they're like a galaxy apart which was so cool and here this actually felt one of the few examples of something that was a natural progression from the last jedi specifically i like that because in last jedi we saw that scene where i believe it's when luke 
catches them talking, and he destroys the hut, which causes the rain to fall in. And Kyla, who's across the world, he, he comes out of that like little vision or conversation, and his hand is wet. So he's able to, in a weird way, physically interact. And like Austin mentioned, they did the step up here where that played into the fights where they're fighting and it's kind of a cool concept. Like they're not even together and they're somehow fighting and elements of each of their settings is coming into play. And then of course, at the end, they're able to actually physically pass a lightsaber from one to the other. So it felt like a cool progression to that force power. But before we uh, move off that point, I do want to talk about that because it wouldn't be an Arnie's basically star Wars episode (laughs) if we didn't talk about the force and we got some, interesting i won't say weird because they're not weird on paper but we have new force powers uh apparently you can heal wounds now uh (laughs) and you can like pass your life force from one to another so kind of some big leaps that you might say what do you guys think of that and also that life force ability is apparently only found in siths as well yeah i i was a bit iffy on that i I wasn't really clear on what was going on there it being found in sith is weird to me because i think don't you have to choose to be a sith like you're not born a sith so i guess they're i guess i guess their argument is that ray is a born a sith i guess is the argument like with palpatine's blood you know he quote unquote has all the legend and all the Sith inside him, like Rey has the Jedi through her, so maybe Rey being born in that family gives her that ability. But then uh, why I don't know. Why is the whole point of when they're like, never succumb to the dark side? Like, they always make it seem like you have a choice. I know. That's why it's also weird that we'll definitely get into this, that Rey's a Palpatine, because it seems like they're, they're with some of these Force powers, it seems like she doesn't. Well, let's go ahead and just talk about Ray being a Palpatine here, because it's so confusing, and just thinking about it from any any angle is confusing. Why, how does this work timeline timeline wise? Where is this? Where has Palpatine kids been hiding the whole the whole time that he was Emperor of the Senate or whatever? And who the hell wants to have sex with Emperor Palpatine anyways for him to make a kid? Yeah, so I'm just trying to go through the facts here of what we know, what we, what we kind of found out from this film was, so Palpatine had kids. His son, I guess, disagreed with his beliefs and everything. And I don't know if his son had the force powers or not. I'm guessing he did. Maybe maybe he didn't. And so then they were exiled to uh, Jakku, which is where they had Rey. And then they get on the ship. The assassin character was sent to get... I mean, the goal was to get Rey. And I don't remember how it happens or the, the confluence of events. But basically, at some point... The parents are like, we got to leave Ray here so they don't fuck with her. They don't bother her. And so that happens. And then the assassin can't bring Ray to Exegol. So that he just kills the parents on the ship. That's the way I understood it. But yeah, so to Keith's point, for whatever reason, I thought that the son was a clone. I don't know why I thought that. Um, but it, clearly it's not. It, it kind of it feels like maybe they just shouldn't have shown the son because... He doesn't look like Palpatine. I, I guess you could make the argument that he's clearly, when he dies, he's much younger than even when we saw young Palpatine in Phantom Menace. So maybe that is what he grows up into. I don't know if it's a clone. If it's a clone, it makes more sense to me is what I'm saying. Because then it's not like at some weird point in time, Palpatine had a lover that was down with his beliefs and they had this kid. Well, isn't the weird thing I've heard of that too, like, because didn't Palpatine like almost breathe Anakin into existence? So why didn't he just do that with Rhett? I don't know. Yeah, the whole the idea is that Palpatine essentially, and maybe I think Plagueis, his master, was involved. They uh, manipulated the midi chlorines, and that 
impregnated Shmi Skywalker, and then so this child that had had dark side tendencies was born. I don't know if that's canon anymore, but I think that was at least the idea that they kind of teased at. So, yeah, but if that's the case, then I don't know why they did it any differently. Yeah, the midi-chlorines thing kind of just goes out the window after the prequels. Yeah, that's true. That's probably why. Hear about that again. The midi-chlorines actually isn't canon anymore because George Lucas actually went ahead and trademarked that because he was hoping to, to handicap Disney into using that term in his movies. And then if he owns the trademark, he then has to force them into using his ideas. Wow. A genius, if there ever oh, was one. Oh, George. Uh, <laughs> they love you. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely weird. I mean, not only – and, and again, when did this happen in the timeline? Because if it happened during the original yeah, trilogy – Yeah, the timeline thing is the weirdest thing to think about, though. Yeah, because if it was original trilogy, it's weird because he's so messed up and he's the emperor at that point. So did he clone himself? I don't know. If it happened during the uh, uh, prequels, then the ages of the sun and Ray doesn't seem to quite add up. So either way, it's weird. But – I also think we should just talk about this. Like, let's, uh, you know, move past the way to the movie. We should just talk about the whole aspect of, which was crazy. Again, another example. In Last Jedi, I per- I know a lot of people don't, but I personally love the idea of this whole parents mystery being set up. And then Kylo's like, your parents are nobody. Like, kind of like saying to the fans, Rey doesn't need to be a Kenobi granddaughter doesn't need to be Luke Skywalker's kid to be cool and have these cool powers and be her own person. And if she finds her independence, she can be more powerful than anybody. And I think that was a really cool storyline. And then here, it's like, why did they just do that? Because people weren't expecting it to be Palpatine and because they felt they had to make her connected to somebody. I think that aspect of it kind of sucks, too. It just feels like they felt like they had to do it. So it was connected to the Skywalker saga. Well, and that's also another element that was different in the Duel of Fate script is, is Rey is not a Palpatine. They they stick with her being a nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they didn't even give her any like Palpatine-like tendencies or mannerisms or anything like that, you know? like uh, Keith, did you see the fangs when it's dark red? <laughs> yeah, she had fangs. Oh, yeah. When she's like, when she hisses like a cat, it was kind of weird. She's like... <laughs> I guess creepy. I mean I guess she has the lightning, so it's like I guess that's no. But when like regular Ray shows up and her, and then Palpatine's like, "I'm your grandfather," and he, and he looks ugly as shit. She's like, "Really?" Like that doesn't make any sense at all. I just remember my like, parents leaving <laughs> Jakku. Oh man, I don't know. It's a weird, yeah, it's a dumb storyline. Yeah, I think this type of storyline with a character being like a secret child of somebody really evil, but like they didn't know that they were isolated. So they actually kind of grew up being a really humble and nice person. And then they discover the Jedi in some way. So they're a Jedi. And then they find out naturally, oh, actually, you're related to a Sith. And it's like, oh, this whole like um conflict that could have been cool in some other media. I think the problem here is it's just we're looking at the nine films in the Skywalker saga. And you you know, you can throw in Rogue One or Solo if you want. But in the main nine films, we've seen so many characters have to be connected to one another, have to be related, have to something in that sense. So when there's just another twist where it reveals, oh guess what? Another character was too. It's like, I don't care. It's not interesting. It's we've we've seen it. Um yeah. I guess it's more interesting than being like related to Kenobi. I mean, if they had done Daughter of Luke Skywalker, that would have been the worst. That was like the most expected thing. So I guess I'll give them a point there. At least I didn't totally expect it the first time. But you you know they wanted to. You know <laughs> sure. they wanted to. Sure. But then but then they were like, oh, well, she did just spend a whole movie with Luke and that didn't come up. So they were like, ah, oh, we gotta do power. Oh, we forgot to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's probably the plan, but 
Yeah, who the hell knows? So just. But I think we go. We all can agree that she should have been her own character, not not connected any to anybody blood wise. Yeah, it would have been better. If I they think committed. she. I think she should have been uh, a direct descendant of Wedge. Ah, oh, Ray Antilles. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ray and T's. That would have been cool. Yep. <laughs> and also, this is a good time to bring it up because I know we'll be talking about it more later. Like, I'll play devil's advocate slightly. Let's say, you know, in Last Jedi, they never... Re- they, let's say in Last Jedi, they kept the mystery going, right? They never brought up the whole parentage stuff in terms... They never give us an answer. And then in this movie, if they do the Palpatine thing, at least I can go, oh, wow, the mystery had an answer. I may not like it, but at least there's an answer. It's really hard to give us an answer in Last Jedi love it or not, and then you just give us a different one. And how do they justify it? Ray's like, you lied to me, Kylo. And he's like, I didn't lie. Your parents were nobody. But your grandpapa was somebody. And I would say, well, it sounds like my fucking dad was the son of Emperor Palpatine. That that You could, probably could have told me that, because that's not a nobody. <laughs> so, it's just such a bullshit, like, like, what's the word? Like, um, uh, uh twist and logic. Like, how they explained away. It's like your parents were nobody, but I'm not talking about your grandparents. It's just ugh, <laughs> just annoying. So it's like you can't give us an answer and then just do the fucking opposite the next time and expect people to love it. It's how I tell you when we'll get to it. It's how I feel about Kylo's redemption. Like you can redeem Kylo if you want, but don't make him the main villain at the end of Last Jedi and then redeem him. So, yeah, it's just it's all weird. The back and forth between Last Jedi and this movie. Well, let's go ahead and get into uh, the Rey and Kylo duel on the remnants of the Death Star. What do you guys think of this scene? Uh, we also have Leia's death here as well. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like the lightsaber fighting on yeah. this. Yeah. The blocking of this scene is awesome with them yeah. jumping between the waves. And, and I, I really like the... the I really like the visuals of the of the fallen Death Star too. I, I think this whole sequence of events is probably the best part of the film. Yeah. Um, and we get an appearance from Han Solo here as well, uh, which was... Okay, uh, what do you guys think about that? I didn't think you needed it. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this stuff. First of all, again, like I said, I'll shout out all the cool stuff. I didn't love all the aspects of the fight. I felt the choreography was good. I didn't love how all of like the weird force jumping looked. For some reason, the way they they blocked it, where they're so like they just arc so perfectly, just looked a bit weird to me. But that's that's a nitpick. I admit that. But uh, the fight itself was pretty cool, and yeah, it doesn't need to be on the Death Star. No, but you know, it worked. It's these, like, the crashed on the Endor moon and they're fighting amongst the waves. Very cool setup. And I like the natural buildup because their fight previously in the movie was, like we mentioned, the cool while well, he's on um, Kashimi and she's on his ship. So they have, like, a pretty cool lightsaber fight um, where they're not actually physically present together. So this was the natural progression. Now they are. So that was cool. I thought that was built up pretty well. Um, yeah. But then they brought in the Leia stuff, and that's where it got a little weird. <sighs> and it's tough to it's tough to criticize the Leia stuff, right? It's really tough because what the hell were they supposed to do? Yeah, it's hard to do because she died, you know, in real life. But they made all these comments beforehand saying like Leia's the key to the film. Fans are going to be so happy with the way we send her off, and the way they did it's terrible. It doesn't. It looks weird. <laughs> it doesn't fit the story at all. It's not like it just. I just think it looks so bad and it's so dumb. I would have rather had her uh, get blown up on the deck in, in Last Jedi. Yeah, yep, me too. I think that was a good ending for her. And I think she played a good part in Force Awakens and Last uh, Last Jedi. She just wasn't – she didn't have – and I, I, like we said, obviously the, the actress, Carrie Fisher, died. So I know they couldn't do much. But 
as a character, she still didn't do much in this movie. So, um, uh, yeah, she should have passed on in the last one. Yeah, for me, it's just one of those. I mean, I feel like there's lots of things to criticize. This is one of the few I just won't, even even though I do want to. I won't because it's an impossible situation. For those that don't remember the context, Carrie Fisher died before The Last Jedi came out. So they yeah. had finished filming that. So they were kind of like, okay, we'll make it work. And then what the hell do you do the next one? Because again, then looking in the characters in the world, they just killed Luke and they like almost killed Leia, but then she survives and she is kind of reformed as the leader of this great resistance. But then unfortunately, Carrie Fisher dies in real life. So now it's like, Buck, uh, Han Solo's dead. Luke's dead. We wanted the next one to be Leia had be the figurehead of that. And now we can't do that. But we can't just kill her off screen because there's such a like we we need to have elements of her there. And I and I get that. I think they did. I think they had to have some of the training aspects with Ray. I think even the dialogue had to be there in some way. And I get, you know, it. they never had that connection uh, with Ben. And I feel like the parent needed that. I feel like Leia needed that. But again, she's not there. They had to But she did footage. have that with the bridge scene, though. I know. And I love that. But I'm saying they'd already shot the movie and they felt that they were in a bind and couldn't change anything. So it's like, I can't criticize what they do in Rise of Skywalker. But if I'm looking past that, I, I agree with you guys. I think it is weird because think about it, too. We've seen Leia connect with so many people via the Force, Luke mainly, throughout these movies. And it didn't seem that hard. So are you telling me that... Apparently, if you're somebody with the force or you're force sensitive or whatever, and you are able to kind of talk with somebody who's a Sith, that's going to kill you. I, I don't know. The way they built up with his Maz is like, Leia knows what she has to do. It's her final stand. And all she does is like she's basically present. Essentially, she makes herself known during the fight with Rey. Kylo sees her and then he gets stabbed and she dies immediately. And it's just like, okay. Like, it's just odd. Uh, again, I don't know what else they would have done. They also, I I get it's harder because she couldn't actually film her lines for this one, but they had some pretty shitty lines for her in this one, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're just all throwaway lines, like, never underestimate a droid. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, Ray has to repeat it later. Yeah, because yeah. they, they had to repurpose lines from Force Awakens, so... It was, they were put in an impossible situation. That's one of the few things I can't fault them for yeah. because I don't know what the hell the alternative was. I guess the only thing they could have done is just had Leia die off screen before Rise of Skywalker. And then it starts and she's already dead. But then. Do you think it would have been too on the nose to open with a funeral? I think they've, they've probably thought about it. But then it's like, there would have been lines like Ray's talking to Finn and she's like, man. Leia was such a good trainer and like, or they would have had something like where Finn's like, <laughs> wow, Ray, like you're really a good fighter. Like you've really done, you look like a lot better. You're swinging a lot better. You're doing great. And she's like, yeah, Leia trained me well. I miss her a lot. And then Finn would have responded with, oh, I love you. And then Finn would have also said, also, I have the force too now. Ugh. <laughs> and then he just would have screamed. Ray! <laughs> yeah. JJ was like, I'm not making this movie unless, uh. John Boyega screams Ray four times. <laughs> but yeah, so I agree with you guys. The Leia, the Leia stuff is odd. I mean, there's no doubt about that. The, the context of her dying is weird, uh, connecting with Ben that way. Uh, but I will say, another highlight, I actually, I, I'm going to go a step further than Keith. I really like the Han Solo scene. I feel like Harrison Ford had no intention of ever coming back, but he does seem like a good guy in the sense that, you know, they he I think he recognized Disney was in a shit spot. You know, they had they couldn't use Carrie Fisher the way they wanted. So they probably said, hey, can we do one scene? It'll be kind of like the emotional push to 
kind of get Kylo to abandon that identity and accept Ben again. And he's like, sure, I'll do that. So I actually kind of like the scene. I like how they just basically actually reused just straight yeah. up some no, of the lines yeah. from uh, Force Awakens, that final scene, because they had to, because Han can't be a Force ghost. So like they say, he's a memory. So we have some of the same lines, but I love the acting for both of them because now it means something different. And this was actually pretty effective for me. I, I quite like it. Yeah, I th- I think it's a great well acted scene. It just I don't know. I guess it just felt like way too much fan service for me. Sure. Yeah, I I, I can't deny that. I, I I all I'm saying is I think it's very purposeful that he appears on screen probably what two minutes after they ran out of Carrie Fisher footage and Leia had to die. So I think they just put him there in order to make it a bit more um, acceptable in a weird way. Maybe they were like, maybe fans will appreciate it more if he's there to kind of finish off the scene. So, yeah, so we brought it up a bit earlier, but to move on here, another big thing we got to talk about, because it's another one of those things where um, they set up something in Last Jedi, and then this movie seems to be trying to do something different that feels a bit more akin to the original trilogy. We got to talk about Kylo abandoning the Ren identity, becoming Ben Solo once again, and essentially getting his redemption a la Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi. So I want you guys to take this away. Austin, what were your thoughts here? Did this work for you? Is this a redemption that made sense? Or what do you think? No, I think he's way better as a villain. Um, Up until this point, he was almost one of my favorite villains in Star Wars. Um, But it just seems to me, it just seems almost harder to try and redeem Kylo than it was Vader. Like, I know we see Vader blow up an entire planet, um, but I feel like as an audience, you're like a little bit more removed from that because you don't actually see any on-screen deaths and it is the first movie of the franchise. So you're not really too attached to anybody yet. Um, whereas Kylo, we've seen physically murder so many innocent people from the very first of this trilogy, including a fan favorite in Han Solo. So I feel like Kylo is almost more unredeemable than Vader was. I'm pretty much in the same boat, except that, you know, with to remember that Ben is a Skywalker, and so the Skywalker story is also, is is con- is about good versus evil. So while um, he is a good villain, I think it was kind of cool to see him kind of revert back to his good side because that's what a Skywalker does. But at the same time, I get what you're saying, Austin, because he did kill a bunch of innocent people. <laughs> but that's why he was. It was good that he died at the end. If they would have just let him live as Ben, then that would have been stupid. Yeah. Like he just gets he gets to go on and live an innocent life after killing all the. Innocent people. That would have been weird. No, so it was. It was. Necess- I think it was good that he he died at the end. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if you're gonna go this route, he probably has to die in the fashion that he did. Um, like a lot of other you know examples of roles and characters in media, it's kind of the same thing. They have to die as their punishment, even if they do something good. I mean, that's what happened with Vader. And my thing is, I agree with Austin. It's a good point that we see a lot more of Kylo's crimes and actions, if you want to call them that on screen this time around. Whereas with Vader, we see a lot, but a lot of it, we actually don't. We kind of have to infer it or see it in other media. I mean, Vader probably, I mean- And a lot of it is him killing his own generals too. It's not like innocent people. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good point. I mean, I guess we don't see Vader like, eh, I guess it it depends on what you define as innocent. Um, But like- Whereas like the opening scene of The Force Awakens is Kylo ordering the execution of an entire village. Well, actually, I don't know what I'm talking about because we. I guess I guess it's because I'm getting caught up in the Vader look. But we see Anakin Skywalker murder youngling. He murders children. Um, my point is we don't need to. That's into, true. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to get into the semantics of it. They're both bad people. We agree on that. I guess what I'm saying is with Vader, the thing that I actually gained more of an appreciation of with Return of the Jedi is at the end. I don't think the purpose is for us to walk away and go, "Wow, 
Darth Vader became Anakin Skywalker. He was redeemed. I do not think that was the intention. Maybe people took it that way, but it's not supposed to be. I think all he did at the end was saw this vestige of hope he once had through his son, who he doesn't know, but is seeing them being tortured the way he has been so many times. And is just like, you know what? Fuck this. And saves his son, kills the emperor in a weird way, as we might talk about in a bit. He, uh, kind of makes the prophecy come true that he was supposed to at a younger age. He brings balance to the force, you might say. But um, the point is, he doesn't redeem himself. He just does one final act that is good before dying, and he looks a bit more positive in the eyes of his son. That's it. That's all that happened there. This is different what happens with Kylo Ren. As we talked about, He Han Solo tells him, Kylo Ren is dead. And then he becomes Ben Solo again, and is trying to do all this good to revert some of the acts he did. And again, they could have made it work, I think. But the last thing I'll say is the biggest problem, like I mentioned, is you made him the main villain at the end of Last Jedi. That's what you were doing. That's what you were setting up. And some people say, yeah, but wasn't the Vader, wasn't Vader the main villain? The whole thing with Kylo, seven, he's conflicted. Eight, he's conflicted. At the end, there's a switch, becomes the main villain, becomes the supreme leader. You got to continue that. You got to commit to that. You can't do that half of the last movie and then just go, oh, it's done. He's uh, His mom said hi to him through the force, and now he's a good guy again. And then we're supposed to remember him positively? I mean, this guy's a maniac. It's like, this was more to me, what I'm saying is this was a more like a, a, bl- a blatant attempt to redeem somebody, whereas Vader, it was just wasn't redemption. He just did one good thing before he died. After a lifetime of evil, he did one good thing. That's what, that's kind of how it feels to me. That's why it doesn't work, the Kylo Ren redemption in my eyes. I also think Kylo Ren is just such a way more interesting character than Ben Solo. Like, I just <laughs> I just think he's so much better. Like, he's so good as a villain. Yeah, we don't know Ben Solo. So just give us fucking Kylo Ren. Unless, who knows, maybe in 20 years they'll give us uh, another prequel trilogy that focuses on uh, Ben Solo being born and going up to when he uh, leaves Oh, Luke you know Skywalker they want to. Dead. Uh, you know, you know, George fucking kicked down the door to Disney's offices and was like, you know what you need now? You need another prequel, I have another prequel. <laughs> <laughs> I have the trademark for many chlorines. They're back. <laughs> ben Solo has so many. Cool thing, though. Like I said, I got to point out all the cool things. I did like Ben Solo doing the patented, uh, what is it? The Han Solo shoulder shrug when he gets the lightsaber. Oh, and yeah. that fight scene's great. Yeah, too. it was a yeah. fun fight scene. I like that a lot. All right, so let's get into how this film wraps up. We have a, a pretty cool, in my opinion, uh, final space battle scene, and then we also have uh, some closing shots on Tatooine. Let's talk about the horses, because <laughs> I thought the <laughs> I thought the horses were pretty dumb. It just did not fit in this at all. This like weird space battle, bullets flying everywhere, and all of a sudden, like I felt like I was in like three hundred or something like that, and these horses were coming out. With these random people that he just picked up like 30 seconds ago. I actually thought it was cool because uh, like they're fighting on a Star Destroyer, which I thought was a cool way, to, cool setting for the fight. And I think they, they do do a pretty good job of justifying why they're using the horses because I think they say they're trying to like jam their ships, but it's not working because they're on horses. Right. Exactly. There was a, there was a <laughs> reasoning. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I, I... I didn't love the sequence, but I, I loved the idea of it. I liked how they're going after this fleet. I like how they have to take out this one ship that has the basically like the navigation beacon, I suppose, that will get them all off Exegol to wreak havoc on the galaxy. So I liked how Finn was kind of leading the charge almost uh, to get rid of that. That led to some cool moments. Um, we see Rose take three steps and then have to be pulled away. It was like, what? How sad. And then we see Poe do some cool flying and shooting and then... 
that weird guy from Force Awakens that makes lots of sarcastic comics comments dies and then literally two seconds later the rest of the fleet shows up so i kind of felt bad for him um, <laughs> um, yeah so yeah there was some cool stuff here there was some fun stuff going on and then like we already mentioned we see uh kylo's trying to get to ray in the meantime and then they fight palpatine and he sucks their life out of them and that makes him look younger and also somehow makes his clothes red by pulling out their life force. It t- changes the color of his clothes for some reason. Um, and then, then uh, we get the weird, 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 weird. I know Keith probably wants to talk about this. We get the scene where Ray's about to die and the force ghosts call out to her, baby. They're saying hi. We get a, uh, we get Ewan McGregor saying, these are your final steps, Ray. And we have Hayden Christensen back saying, bring balance to the force, Ray, like I did. <laughs> um, and we have Sam Jackson in there. We have Ahsoka in there. We have, we have, oh, oh, Keith, you got to talk about, did you hear Liam Neeson in there? Yeah, he, Quaygon was in there. Quaygon had some yep. good lines in there. And then, but the weird part about this scene to me at the end is that the way Ray wins is... The whole thing is she can't kill Palpatine because that's his plan. If she strikes Palpatine down, he'll somehow infect her with uh, himself and the Sith will live inside Rey. It's like, oh no. But the way she combats that is odd. So she has her lightsaber. She's blocking the force lightning. And then how does she kill him? Just pulls out another lightsaber and pushes the lightning towards him. And that's all she had to do. And it kind of begs the question, could Palpatine not just stop shooting the lightning for a second? I guess not. And he dies. And it seems like he's finally gone. And that's the final battle. Keith, let's talk about Wedge coming back. Wedge! (laughs) He's back. Wedge and Tillage comes back. The, The actor refused to come back in Force Awakens when they wanted him to come back. Yeah. And then somehow, I guess, he's like... They they had a meeting in the Disney offices, and they were like, guys, I really don't know what we're going to do about Carrie Fisher's death. What, what can we do? What can we bring in for the fans? And then some random guy was like, what about that, that one guy, Wedge? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, perfect, let's call him up. Uh, they called him up, and they are like, Wedge, we need you. We need you to bring balance to our movies. <laughs> he's like, my name's not Wedge. <laughs> Yeah. Also, we got to talk about this real quick because I I don't think we've talked about it, but I want to say this. Another highlight for me in a movie I hate. Guys, it even shocked me, but I don't know how he does it. Billy D. Williams, this guy is getting up there in age. He's awesome. There's nobody. Nobody gives a better line delivery than this guy. He was... He's just cool. He's just cool. There is one line there where he does not do well. What, what? And that's when they're on that sand planet and he just looks out and, and sounds like he's half asleep and goes, I got a bad feeling about it. I loved that. I thought that sounded pretty good. <laughs> oh, I hated it. Oh, it's so it bad. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. Feeling about this. But I thought it was pretty good. And I got to say, again, also, we get some cool Chewbacca moments. I think JJ heard the outrage of whenever Leia, for some reason, doesn't console Chewie after Han's death. I love seeing Chewie get all excited to see Lando and give him a big hug. I thought it was actually pretty emotional when he finds out Leia dies and he pushes away Poe, who's trying to comfort him. And then he finally gets his medal. Uh, Yeah, so there was some good stuff. I like seeing Lando in the captain's chair, the Falcon, leading the charge with Chewie as the co-pilot and then Wedge as the gunner. Uh, Some fun stuff at the ending. Yeah, I I think it worked for the most part. It was fun. 
the visual really quick the visual of palpatine shooting that lightning into the sky though yeah. i think looks so cool and the way they pair it with the music too that oh, yeah that felt so like cool. a cool little pseudo sequel moment to the holdo thing because like the music yeah. kind of cuts out and then they use similar colors but they're doing the lightning and that yeah. was pretty cool i like that as well um and we already talked about it but Again, just to throw it out there, the, the Ben Solo death is weird. It's just weirdly shot, I feel like, because we understand the healing aspect and they have a connection where they can sort of kind of utilize each other's power in a weird sense. So he kind of heals her when she dies and then they kiss and it's really weird. But then he just falls over dead. It's just weirdly shot. He just like he like smiles after they kiss and then he just falls over <laughs> and then he disappears. And it's like, OK, odd. I got two more things we need to talk about real quick. Um, So do you guys think they should have had a bigger... Money and Falcon fight scene at the end there with Lando and Chewbacca uh, co-piloting together. I think we have like a full newbie's worth of Falcon, of just Falcon flying in this franchise. So I'm good. I don't need any more. Yeah, we didn't get a lot in the last one. So this one definitely has a lot. I, I did actually kind of dig the uh, the the, uh, the hyperspeed, the, the light speed skipping. That was kind of a fun scene with the Falcon at the beginning. But that's yeah, so, that was, cool. that was so weird too. Because do they not have to calculate that now anymore? Apparently not. That's always a big point also, of this movie. Also, the enemy ships are somehow, it doesn't even matter that they're doing that because they apparently are doing it right behind them as well. But um, yeah, I think actually I agree with Keith. I think it would have been cool to see, knowing Lando is piloting, it might have been cool to see them like do like just, just take out one ship. Just like do some cool flying just to take out one of them. Could have been cool. The second thing is, what did you guys think about the hint that Finn oh. is got has force abilities. I I don't know. It's just a feeling. And then he says it again later on. What was that? A feeling. Well, yeah, he he definitely has the force. I mean, yes, you're right. They never explicitly say it, but it's with, without a doubt. There's a moment where when Ray dies, he's on the Falcon and he just stops and goes, "No, Ray." Like so, he he clearly knows. Like he has the force. Weird inclusion for me. Uh. I don't think they needed it. I mean, Finn was already pretty cool to me. So it just felt like this weird kind of shoved in third movie of a trilogy thing. Uh, I didn't love it. I don't think they did anything especially cool with it. He never tells Ray, so nothing really comes of it. So <laughs> all we really get is that weird scene where uh, he's going to tell Ray in the sand pit when they're sinking. It's like, is he going to say he loves her? But then it's like, well, no, I guess he was going to tell her that he has force powers. Why would he say that when they're about to die? Yeah, I don't know why they even had him say that without, like, if you're not going to address it later, what's the point of having him say, I got to tell you something? No, and why yeah. was that a big deal that he has? The, I mean, if he knows Ray has been dealing with this, what's the worst that can happen? Ray, okay. I have the force. And she'll, like, All right. Stupid. We got to wrap this up no! in order to do so. In order to do so, we got to talk about some colors. We've got red. We've got blue. We've got green. And now, apparently, <gasps> we have... A yellow lightsaber. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. The final shot. Or I guess the final shots. Ray goes back to the uh, Aunt Uncle O and Aunt Peru house on Tatooine. Yeah. The Lars family homestead, whatever. And I like seeing it. I mean, it's cool looking. <laughs> yeah, like, it was I cool. I like the age look of it. I know that's actually there. I don't know if they built it again, but I know, you know, there's cool shots of the Star Wars, the original Star Wars sets in Tunisia that are just obviously they can't like get rid of them. So they're just kind of left there to aged time so that's kind of neat yeah I, I thought it was fine um i guess my only issue with the ending i really don't i don't really have much of an issue i just it, it feels weird in a long movie like this where i guess i kind of wish i had an idea of what was going to happen next i'm not saying i want episode 10 i don't what i'm saying is it's weird by the end of this movie i don't know what ray is doing is she going to 
continue the Jedi? I I wouldn't blame her if she didn't, but she made a new lightsaber. What's she going to do with it? Is she looking for a recruit? I don't know. I thought it was weird that we don't get like a pretty clear inclination of what the hell she's going to be doing in the future. So I guess that's what they did with Return of the Jedi, though. I mean, it's not like we knew what Luke was going to do right after, but still... I guess for the final one, I wish we would have gotten something. Is there a significance to lightsaber colors? Like, I don't understand the point of having her show a yellow lightsaber and then the credits roll. I, I They used to say there was, but then I read somewhere else that they don't matter. Like, George Lucas confirmed that, no, the colors don't matter. It's just random. Except for except for red. Red means, like, Sith. you're a Sith. But if you're, but with your Jedi... Sam Jackson you... requested his purple lightsaber because he wanted exactly. to be different. Yeah. Yeah, I know the significance of it is that if we assume that Rey went about it how Jedi's did in the past, is she constructed her own, and she chose the kyber crystal. She chose that color. She kind of made the the hilt to look like her bow staff that she would carry around. So there was certainly significance to it, like it was hers. This was not Luke's lightsaber. This was not Leia's lightsaber. In fact, she buries them on Tatooine. Uh, this was hers. So that's cool. But again, yeah, I, I just wish I, I would have known more about like, you know, for the final movie in this saga, I was like, is Rey going to continue the Jedi? That was kind of like a point of contention on Octo whenever she tries to goofily uh, exile herself. And Luke comes out with a really bad wig and is like, you got to respect your equipment. It's like, OK, Mark <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's just a bit odd. And then the only other thing I don't like about it, I like how it looks, but whenever the, the old woman shows up and he's like, who are you? She's like, I'm Ray. There's been nobody for so long. <laughs> She's like, I'm Ray. And then the, the old woman does something you would never do to a stranger, which is Ray who? It's like, fuck off. I'm not telling you my last name. <laughs> uh, and then she picks Skywalker, which is completely unearned. I mean, it's weird. <laughs> so that's how yeah. the movie ends, though, with the twin sons. But it wasn't the worst yeah. thing in this movie, so I didn't hate it. But What if she had said, uh, what if she had said, Ray Solo, and then it panned to her left hand and she was wearing a wedding ring. (laughs) I would have walked into the movie. I would have thrown my popcorn across the room. (laughs) I'm Ray Gonjin. (laughs) So, there we go, boys. We made it through. All right. So, before before we close out here, anything else? Anything else you want to talk about before we never talk about Star Wars again? Until The Mandalorian, episode three. Catch it this <laughs> Sunday on podcast feeds. We can't escape it. It's a cash cow Disney is going to milk forever. We'll make a new trilogy at some point about uh, Chewbacca's I think niece it's, or something. I think it's in the works already. Chewbacca niece, a Star Wars story. Can't wait. Anyway, Keith, any, any other thoughts? <laughs> yeah, three quick hits that I just thought were cool and iconic from the Star Wars overall uh, series. Uh, number one would be Chewie uh, hugging Lando and Lando doing his classic, hey, old buddy line. I thought that was kind of cool and funny. I like that too. Uh, number two, Luke and Leia's training flashback scene. I thought that was pretty cool, even though Leia's face was kind of CGI'd a l- little bit. Yeah. Not as good I as Luke's. This. Luke's Luke's looked a lot better than hers for some reason. I'm like, why did they mess up on hers? But his looked pretty good. I hated this because it felt so forced. I felt like they only put this in there because there were so many questions about about her force abilities from The Last Jedi. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's your answer. It would have been nice to like actually have seen Leia as a Jedi at some other point in the movies, I guess. Yeah. But having this shoehorned in there just felt kind of pointless. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that's fair. And uh, lastly, this, this one was awesome to me. Luke raising the X-Wing out of the water was iconic. I mean... Because you get that you get with you get that with Yoda raising his X-wing out of the water on Dagobah, and now it shows that Luke has is really 
he really is the master now and he's he's able to do it now I because he wasn't cool. able to do it before yeah i agree i love that scene too i just think it's so funny when they pan the force force luke uh when they pan the force ghost luke and it looks like he's constipated <laughs> trying to raise this thing <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mark Hamill had some weird moments as a Force ghost, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I over. Yeah, I like the scene too. It, it felt like a cool little, uh, uh, I guess, inversion of Empire stuff. So it was neat. I'm glad our last point for Star Wars is a constipation point. Yeah, it's a great place. I wouldn't have to end it, it any other way. What about Babu Freak? He was a hit. I like Babu Freak. Who's that? <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Here it is. It's the big moment, the culmination. It's time for the definitive final Star Wars rankings. This is it. We're never going to get a chance to change them again. No. This is our final rankings. You can never change your opinion. So because you said that, I guess before we before we get into it, I took a hard look at my list, I'll be honest, and I thought about making some changes, but I didn't ultimately. I just added in the stuff I needed to. So... Did you guys make any? I made a change or two. Oh, you did. Yeah, you did. Interesting. I sat down and took a hard look before we recorded, and I did make some changes. Keith, I think I would just be simply honored as our super fan if you started us off tonight. And let's go bottom to top. Let's go bottom to top. All right. The bottom was a tough one to choose. I had it was tied between two of them, Ooh. but um. But for certain aspects of one of them, even though there were some scenes in this one that I liked, but for certain aspects of it, you just got to put it at the bottom. And that is Attack of the Clones. Yes. I can't disagree. After Attack of the Clones, this one right here, Rise of Skywalker. Then Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, The Last Jedi, Solo, The Phantom Menace, New Hope, then Rogue One, then Revenge of the Sith, and number one, and will always be number one, Empire Strikes Back. So you really think after seeing all these movies that The Last Jedi is that bad? Um, That's the only I mean, issue I have. Keith was definitely, you think, to you be think fair, last, Keith was always I put it above. Jedi. I put it above Return, Force Awakens, yeah. Attack. For Keith, I will say Skywalker. for Keith, that's pretty good. Because Keith isn't The Last it's, Jedi fan. It's in the middle. I mean, it's like it's up towards the middle. Austin, let's leave the questions for later. Because just, just knock it out of the park. Give us your list, Austin. All right, I'm going to start at the top. Number one. Rogue One. Number two, The Last Jedi. Number three, Empire. Number four, Revenge of the Sith. Number five, The Force Awakens. Number six, Solo. Number seven, The Phantom Menace. Number eight, Attack of the Clones. Number nine, Rise of Skywalker. Number 10, A New Hope. And number 11, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> okay. Man, you really hate Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it either. <laughs> so boring. Oh, which we got a shot of the Ewoks in this one. We again. did. And and uh, Cloud City. <laughs> I got Cloud City. Oh, man. Right. I'm nervous. Well, I like... Respectable list, Austin. Yeah. You know? Good list. Good list. I'm nervous because I know we're probably not going to be able to talk about this list anymore. So this is like, I have to make sure it's perfect. I'm going over it now. I don't think there's anything I want to change. There's one thing I, I will say... My ninth and tenth place. I mean, I'm a bit iffy. I feel like those could kind of go either way for me. But everything else feels pretty locked in. So here we go. <clears throat> Let's start with what I know. It might surprise you guys. Because I'm ranking 12 things. I added two things to this list. So we'll see how you feel about it. And the placement. 
<coughs> Matt's final list. Number 12. Attack of the Clones. And I'm in lockstep with Keith. Number 11. I think it's a slightly better movie. Honestly, I could put it last sometimes, but because it's just so offensive to me. But I think it's better made. Number 11 is The Rise of Skywalker. Number 10. This is my most controversial one. Return of the Jedi. I just don't like it. It's boring to me. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the ending of that uh, original trilogy. Number nine is The Phantom Menace. Not as bad on this rewatch. I was kind of impressed. I didn't love it, obviously, but there were were things to like about it. Number eight, The Mandalorian Season 1. I put on there. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Not a big fan of it. I like the first episode and the last episode. Not much else. Number seven, A New Hope. Number six, The Force Awakens. Number five, Revenge of the Sith. Number four, Rogue One. Number three, Solo. Number two, Empire Strikes Back. And number one, The Last Jedi. Uh, I think the only thing I disagree with you on is the Last Jedi being number one. I can't. I can't. Why well, the Last Jedi number two? I don't know why. I mean, I like the Last Jedi better. It's the best one out of this trilogy, but yeah. it's definitely not up there for me. I get that. I get that. You just like you just like the classics too much. <laughs> I do. You like them too much. I loved Empire, and I loved it watching it again. I just. I don't know, man. Last Jedi just works for me. I wouldn't be surprised, though, because I've seen Empire so many times. Maybe 10 years from now after seeing Last Jedi a few more times, maybe I'll be like, you know what? Empire is better. So we'll see how it holds up over time. That's just where I'm at right now. All right. Well, now it's time for the Arnie's Podcast Awards. If you caught us for the first time, this is a segment where we give an award to anything in this episode. Keith has known the rules for, I think, one episode so far. So, Keith... (laughs) Start us off today. What's your award? My award is the most badass character of this trilogy award. Mm. It goes to my main man, Chewbacca. I love Chewbacca in this trilogy. (laughs) He's badass. Yeah. Did you love it when Finn stepped outside and instead of yelling Ray, yelled, (laughs) Chewie! Yeah. (laughs) That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Can we talk about that weird scene just real quick? Isn't it weird that like we see Chewie loaded onto the transport and then like apparently there was another transport also there that gets blown up? Yeah, he and should then be dead. Later they just go, Oh, he was on the other transport. It's like, what other transport? <laughs> like Finn <laughs> yeah. Finn watched him get on that ship. So funny to me. Funny. I think it would have been way more impactful too if Ray, not fully knowing how to control her powers, had accidentally killed Chewie, too. Yeah. Could have been cool. Yeah. Would have been sad. Would have been sad, but could have been cool. Austin. Who's your award? Or what's your award? Or honestly, it could be Ugh. anything. But what are you giving your award to? I was stuck between three tonight. I had a hard time mm. choosing. Do you want to Do you want to run through all of them? Just like let us know what you were thinking? Yeah. I ha- okay. So I had two for Palpatine. Oh. One of them was the Stumpiest Fingers yeah, Award that's fair. to Palpatine's Fingers. I don't know why they need to pan on those so yeah. many times in this movie. <laughs> I didn't like that. <laughs> the second one was the best car seat award, and that's to the little harness that's holding Palpatine up, keeping him safe, nice and protected. He was safe. It's a very effective car seat. Mm -hmm. And then the final one was actually to Kylo, Mm. and it was, um, I guess, the best coloring book award, and it's the new helmet that he gets with all those red lines, (laughs) and he's got to shade in the little black things. Nice. (laughs) But ultimately, I don't know what the official award should be. Hmm. 
I think stumpiest fingers for me. I like that a lot because I couldn't. All I right, could, that was my first. That was my first one. Yeah. So we'll go with that. I can't agree more. Yeah. It's been decreed by Matt Johnson. Palpatine gets the stumpiest fingers award. Good for him. Good for him. This one was also tough because you want to give an award to the movie, but with it being the end of not only the Skywalker saga, this is the end of our, you know, Star Wars review series that we've been doing in the middle of this. So I want to give an award to something that not only is present here, but I think is very representative of this series as a whole. So the award I'll be giving today is the motivation we didn't get, but sorely needed. And that's going to go to the youngling from Revenge of the Sith. Why wasn't he in the final scene giving Rey some pep talk? I mean, I would have loved to be like, Rey, these are your final steps. And like, hey, Rey, bring balance to the force like me. And then we could have got, Rey, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, to me, it was just a missed opportunity. And then after that, Yoda's voice could have come in and said, so why is the wind of a child? <laughs> from Attack of the Clones, like Ray's just like laying there days, and then you just hear a kid go, maybe, master, maybe if you fly out there, mom, you know, Kamina will be there. And Ray's like, wait, what? Am I getting like my, my streams confused here? So why is the mind of a child? <laughs> you just have like just random lines from the prequels, like she's so confused, like what? Like, put the ship down. <laughs> Or or when they're when they're light speed jumping, you just hear uh, Ewan McGregor going, "I love flying, but what you're doing is suicide." <laughs> Every character starts to hear the voices. You have like a Sebulba in there going, "Misa, Forrest Whitaker, lies, more lies, save the dream." <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get out of here today, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, that really is the best way to help us continue to grow this show. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next week for a bracket on the best sports movies. Hell yeah, I'm excited. We love doing the Halloween bracket. We've liking these brackets, so I'm happy that we're going to be doing more. I think we're going to have some good ones for the holiday season for all you out there. And while, yes, maybe we didn't love this movie, it is a sad day that our Star Wars review series is coming to a close. But if you're a Star Wars fan, don't fear too much, because if you haven't checked it out, we are doing each of the episodes of The Mandalorian as they come out. So be sure to head to your podcast feeds iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, because whenever the episodes come out on Fridays, expect the following Sunday to see the review. Like Keith said, he'll be missing us this week, so episode three will be this Sunday, and he'll be back. Episode four. Lots of great stuff coming. Can't wait. Yeah, and check us out on Instagram, at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode, The Mandalorian, your favorite sports movies, and Matthew, don't forget, for The Mandalorian. Who are we and what are we doing? Because, as Keith mentioned, we are not just the Yarnies when we review The Mandalorian. No sir, no ma'am, no person. We are the podcast within the podcast. The Mando's Talking DeLorean. And no, do I love the title? I don't. Okay, I don't love it. But we have a brand to maintain. And by golly, we're going to make it happen. And when WandaVision comes out, are we going to be the Wanda's Talking the Vision? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 nice. Yeah. All right. Everybody, we'll see you next week. See you later. Save the dream.